You know what, Matthew? We want to assure you that it is not you. That's the problem. It's totally this computer. Uh, it's just not. It's just. It's. It's not cooperating. It's not cooperating at all. But. But. Hopefully, you can hear us now. Hopefully, you can hear us now. Um, and uh, uh, hopefully, we're doing okay. Um, we want to welcome you uh, once again to Keep Calm Admin on, and we are back on this 16th of July. Uh, 2021 year of our Lord, um, and we are happy to be back for this. Actually, no, I don't. I, I'm not even going to say that. I don't even know if I'm happy to be back for this conversation. I just know we're back for this conversation. <laughs> to be, to be, to be completely honest with you, I'm kind of dreading this conversation, but it is something that we have to talk about. Uh, Martin, Jason, how are you guys doing today? Doing good, man. I'm actually. I'm not going to lie. Um, when I was waiting for everything to get started, um. I actually started watching one of our old videos, and it felt good listening to that intro. It just made me think, like, man, I enjoy these conversations. Like, it's like for me, for me having this, doing this, it's relaxing. It's like yeah, my break yeah. that I have in the week. So I, I really enjoy doing this. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Martin, you doing okay? Yeah, man. It's been, it's been a blessing. Uh, sorry that I took uh, <laughs> from the last conversation. Uh, um, uh, I think it was I was at Union Springs because we had a, a camp meeting and, you know, uh, now I'm, I'm happy to be back home and I'm happy to yeah, yeah. be back on here, man. He, yeah, he, grew no, it's good. he grew a mustache over that week. <laughs> no, I didn't. People people say I grew a mustache, but the one thing I did is like I trimmed all this down and just left this to see to see if it can grow. To see what would and happen. Then yeah, and that's that's all. Technically, I did, and everyone's like, "Oh, so you have a mustache now?" <laughs> yeah, I got you. I got you. I, I, you know, you know what? Look, I, I figure if you got the facial hair, grow it. If you don't, see if you can grow it. Why not? What do you? What do you have I to do? I can't get any. Yeah. I just can't. Yeah, I know. You gotta grow. You gotta grow up. That's all. You gotta grow up. Um, but, but, but hey, look. Um, again, we want to welcome everybody that's watching us. That will be watching us later on. We apologize for the video. Essentially, this is a short explanation of it. For whatever reason. Uh, what we use to stream is not compatible audio-wise with my computer right now. And if you notice, I'm not in my normal place. Uh, Martin and Jason are, uh, but I'm currently at church. Now, that presents a couple of problems. Number one, uh, I got this crazy set of brothers. I'm telling you right now, I got like wires all over the place, but, it, but so far it's keeping up. Number two, the internet here at church is is slow so we're hoping we're going to get a stable connection throughout the conversation if for whatever reason something doesn't work we'll, we'll figure it out you know we'll come back to this conversation the next time, next time. you know but yeah yeah we, we we just want to make sure that everything works okay um but uh but because we're mobile again we had to use the laptop and and this is this is what's going on now you also will notice that andrew is not with us today and i don't know guys i believe this marks the first time since we started, keep calm, Avenali, that Andrew is not here with us. That's true. Uh, yes. And for those of you who do not know, uh, Andrew is not here because we're currently having VBS at church. And, you know, he's got, he's got a baby's almost one years of age. And so, you know, he's got to help out his wife. And, you know, uh, news here is his wife is expecting, uh, my sister-in-law is expecting another baby. So, you know, hey, things are just getting busier for Andrew. And he just said, hey, I, I can't be there today. He's got to be there for the family. We understand that. Yeah. Pray for Andrew. We hope that everything goes well. Uh, but that's why he will not be here with us. So somebody's, somebody's got to bring the LNG White quotes today. Uh, Mar and Jason. Somebody's, I got somebody's you. got to pull that weight. Yeah. I got you. <laughs> Anyways, so again, as, as I said, thank you so much for joining us. 
Uh, hopefully our connection, especially our audio, will, will be working well. Uh, we noticed that there may be a little bit of lag issues, but we'll we'll try to push through. And again, if things get really bad, we'll we'll figure it all out. Um, but uh, but guys, we want to jump into this conversation as quickly as possible. And um, as many of you, uh, by the way, we want to give a shout out to Matthew. I, I know he was looking at the sound. And anybody else that's watching us live, feel free send us a message. Uh, send us a happy Sabbath if if it's already Sabbath where you're at. If you're on the East Coast, if you're out here in the West Coast, happy Friday. It's all good. Uh, and again, we thank you for joining us. Um, so today's conversation, today's conversation, um, yeah, I, I don't even know how to introduce it. But essentially, this is the title of our conversation. It's our, it's our number four in this part series that we're doing on Scripture, on objections to Scripture. And today, the title of the conversation is a question. And it's a question about God. It's genocidal God. Is, is that what we're talking about? So honestly, I'm just going to say it up front. This is not going to be the easiest of conversations for us to carry. I don't know if we're going to satisfy you with our answers, but we hope that you can be part of this conversation if you're watching us live. And if you're watching afterwards, that you listen to what we have to say as we converse about this topic and ultimately that you let the Spirit lead because that's what we want. We, we don't want you to repeat our answers. We just want to make sure that the Spirit is leading. Um, but with that being said, we're going to start with a word of prayer. And so, Jason, do you mind leading us in prayer um, this, uh, this afternoon? No, let's pray, guys. Father God, I want to thank you, Lord, first of all, for another day of life. Thank you for taking care of us up until this moment. And thank you for allowing us to be able to do this in the opening hours of the Sabbath. What's starting the Sabbath, Lord? I pray, Lord, now as we, as we go into this topic that's more so about contradictions about your character, Lord about things that people doubt about your character. Please help us to, 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 to show the light to who you really are. That if anybody has a doubt about you, Lord, that we may show them that there's nothing to be doubted, that your word has everything to know about you, Lord. That's for all these things in your name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jason, for that. So again, thank you for joining us today. If you're watching us live, if you're watching us afterwards, again, thank you for connecting with us uh, and listening to another conversation here on Keep Calm and Advent On. So again, today's conversation is titled Genocidal God, and we're just going to jump straight into this. I, I got a question for you guys, because I think as we have read the Bible, we read the Bible through and through, and we know the stories of the Bible. And I want to start with a very simple question that I think will give us perhaps a little bit of background as to what's going on. It's this question. Why are there so many violent stories in the Bible, particularly the Old Testament? Because we have to admit that the Old Testament has a lot of stories that, that feel very violent at times. Hmm. And, and, and I want to start, start this discussion again. If you're watching us live, feel free to chime in on this conversation. Uh, why do you think there's so many violent stories in the Old Testament uh, and Martin, I'm, I'm gonna start with you. I know, I know you got the, the, the connections giving you a little bit of issues. So right now that I'm seeing you fine, go ahead. Tell us a little bit. Why do you think there's so many violent stories in the old Testament? Um, to be honest. Uh, okay. So the, so the, it's the history of humanity. Um, and I think humanity from the very beginning after the fall has been violent. I mean, think about the fact that we had the first murder between two brothers, you know, and then after that we have, uh, you know, the, Abraham, we have Lot, we have, you know, we have uh, Noah, you know, um, 
actually even before that you know we had noah and 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 noah i mean it, in the story of noah it tells you that the earth was full of violence so it doesn't surprise me that especially if if i look at my life or if i look just as the history books you know our current day history books all it shows is violence you know and if the bible is a book where god is being honest about not only who he is but our nature why wouldn't it be why wouldn't it have uh i would say an accurate depiction of what our story is and if we're honest with ourselves it is violent you know and it's because mm. uh you know because of the consequence of sin because of our stubbornness to to want to do our own things our own way uh sooner or later it always leads back to violence at least that's just my opinion sure 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 jason what say you about this um why so many violent stories in the old testament I'm on the same boat as Martin. It a lot of the Old Testament is the history of specifically the people of Israel. And obviously, if we look at it in a historical context, for for a kingdom or a or a, just to say a power to to be established, there usually there usually is a track of violence. That's to to, to some extent. There there has to be a, a struggle. From side A and from side B, the one that wants the power and the one that already has the power, mm-hmm. there has to be a struggle. Now, because it is the Israelites, it it's to me it takes a whole different connotation of being violent. Mm-hmm. It's not. It, we're going to get it later on into this, but it's not just necessarily like unnecessary violence. A, a lot of the things that do happen and. In in what's called um in 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 that part of the Bible, it's more so because it's it's just their sins catching up to them. Finally, hmm. judgment being being acted upon for the sins that those people had committed. Obviously, we're gonna get this to on, on into it a little later, but it's not just necessarily un. I don't, I don't want to say the word unjustified, but it's not just violence to just for the cause of it what those the people that the violence was t- acted towards is because of things of atrocities they have committed not so much because it was just done or being done yeah so i don't know if i'm exactly explaining myself i'm just thinking a lot because i'm reading i was trying to read this what i was trying to say i'm re-going through my notes and it just came all out no 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 i i i i think we're going to get into that this idea of justified or unjustified violence in, in, you know, when, when, when we get to the moment when we start exploring these acts of violence, but, but I, I think, so to, just to recognize some of the comments here, because uh, we want to give a shout out to Michelle, uh, who is with us today. Uh, Michelle says, because sin entered the world, right? The question is why so many violent accounts? And the answer is because sin entered the world. Um, and then we have uh, uh, Jessica, by the way, she's giving us a shout out. Uh, happy Sabbath. Um, and, and, and then we have this vision, I think, of the immediate consequences of sin. So, look, I, I want to go back even before Noah, Martin. I, I know you mentioned Noah and the time of Noah. But if, if we all remember what happens in the Garden of Eden, uh, as soon as they commit and uh, commit sin, sin enters the world. Yeah. God tells them exactly what's going to happen. But right before they commit that very first sin, the Bible does say that what was going to happen was they were going to die. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Now, we know that they don't die immediately. Perhaps this was in a spiritual sense. Some people apply it that way. They say, no, it was just that they were going to die, not on the very day of, but they were going to die. But when you look at their children, Cain and Abel, the very first consequence within the family is violence. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that there is something there to be said that uh, when the Old Testament begins the story of humans, it says, guess what? One of the most prevalent things that's going to pop up is going to be violence. And so when you see all of that progress, now I'm going to go to the story of Noah, Martin. Then what you see is God say that the earth was filled with violence. And so I, I think there's a story here about how sin brings about violence. It is an inevitable consequence of sin, right? It is something that will happen at some point. And so it is impossible to tell the story of God's people, of God's actions here on this earth without at some point talking about violence, without at some point actually including historical narratives of violence because this stuff happens. I don't know what you guys think about that. Can, can I add Can I add one more thing? Even even maybe even a little bit before the death of, of, of Abel, what about the fact that um, there was a death of an animal and the fact that that death of the animal was a symbol of the Messiah to come, a symbol of Jesus. Jesus never died. I mean, Jesus didn't die a peaceful death. He died a violent one. You know, and 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 when we look at the at the way the the lamb was slaughtered, right? Any death is violence because it's not where you, it's not like you causing that yourself. It's someone causing that yeah. to you. Mm-hmm. You know, and and in this case, the, think about how sin is. Sin, it's us causing damage to ourselves because it is not God's plan for us to fall into sin. It is not God's plan for us to suffer the consequences of sin. You know, he wants us to run away from temptation, run away from sin, run away even from its consequences. But because now it's within our world, that's mm. close to even impossible to do. But the fact that it, when we look after the fall of, of it was there was a curse placed on, 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 uh, on men, on women, yeah. on the earth. And then as a result of that, there was a casting out, which if you would think, or maybe maybe it's a little far-fetched, but you know, the, the fact that they were exiled out of Eden. Mm, yeah. And but before then, it was the death of an animal, an innocent animal. You know, that yeah. that, that yeah. is also something that goes hand in hand with violence. There is a guilty party. And there is a, and there is an innocent one, and That's we see that even 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 now. Right. Okay. Now, now let me ask you something something specific to both of you. Now we're talking in general why violence exists in a sense, right? And, and obviously we connect it with sin. I, I want to include uh, Matthew's comment here. He says, "But it's not like violence began here on earth. It started in heaven with the rebellion of Lucifer and his followers. Uh, the origin of violence didn't start with the fall. It did here on earth, but." It is not its true origin, and I and I'm 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 fine with that. I, I agree with that. Very true. Now, yeah. I want to be very specific with the question, though. Why do you think that the Bible includes stories of violence in it? You, you understand what I, the question that I'm asking? I'm not asking so much now why violence exists. I'm I'm asking now why do you think the Bible actually tells us mm-hmm. about these stories? Because 
I mean, this is God's book. Like, it, it shouldn't contain violence in it, right? Like, we, we, like, we talk about movies, for example. We say, oh, that's a violent movie. You shouldn't be watching that. And yet, man, the Bible can get real, real bloody. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> it, can, it can get real, 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 real fast. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. You know, but, but I, I think I think there is there is a, a, a genuineness to how God allowed that to be in the Bible. Because mm -hmm. think about how a way autobiographies are written now, autobiographies about a person or a, or a situation. Mm -hmm. There's the authorized version and there's the unauthorized version, right? The unauthorized version gives you new light, the truths that come out, right? And yeah, the authorized yeah. version makes the person who they're, who they're reporting on, they, they report the good things, the nice things, the problem, but they came out on top. I think this is, the Bible is, the authorized version that God allowed man to include the the brute honesty, the brute honesty where, where God's people were shown exactly in the light that they are. They're, they have a sinful nature. And, and, and you know what? I'm glad that the Bible was written that way because of the fact that we can see, we can relate to it because if it was only full of, of perfection, or of no struggles, I don't think there will be there will be any of us that will be able to connect with it, aside from the fact that we have then Jesus. But even Jesus's story, yeah, is a story that has a lot of things that that almost that almost puts his story like, oh man, did that really happen to Jesus? Oh, did they really say that to him? Did they really crucify him? His best friends betrayed mm -hmm. him. All those things. There's a it's a it's an openness that God has. Like, look, this is this is your story. But I want to show you that this is this can be avoided if if you don't if you you know if sin is is sure. removed you know um, sure help sure. I mean help help made sense and, yeah and, and not just that if you look if you look at uh, I'm starting with even Abraham um, before Israel was really the nation if you look at that every every I guess you could say battle that was fought every single war it had a reason as to why it even escalated to that point. The Bible doesn't just say they fought them, they obliterated them, and that's it. No, it tells them, look, this is what happened. This is why they were attacked. This is why there was this struggle in between. It's not – God doesn't do just if – we, if, we were to, if the Bible were to not include the reasons why there was that violence, why there was that obliteration of a, of a certain kingdom or of a certain mm. king and his men, that would – that would be completely out of character for God. It would just be violence for yeah. for, for for no reason. But the but the Bible does it includes the mistakes that Israel made, but not just that. It also includes the mistakes other people made. And because Israel was the chosen people of God, even though it seems just like violence, it just seems like violence for no reason. The reason Israel enacted upon those kingdoms, upon those kings, upon those people, is because God was using passing judgment to those people through Israel because that was the chosen people at the time. So it's not that God was just commanding Israel or even before that Abraham at the time to to, to be violent. He was enacting judgment through them. Mm -hmm. Look, there's, there's a, there's, I think a, a comment um, that a lot of people would make. And uh, when they look at how bloody the Bible is at times, how violent it is, right? They, they may ask this question, if these violent accounts actually hurt the Bible. And, and look, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with you guys on this. I think that, first of all, it wouldn't be right for God 
to, to kind of sugarcoat everything, right? Like you can imagine saying, hey, I want you to write the story of, of humanity and me interacting with humanity, but I want, to, I want you to sugarcoat it all. I, I want you to make sure that it's nice, that it's pretty, that it's beautiful, right? And that there is, there is nothing that, that, that hurts the story at all. See, I think that would be like, uh, in a sense, like almost manufacturing a story that isn't real. God is about being real. God is about being honest. Yep. And, and to be honest, you got to say, look, this is the reality of what's going on. This is what happened. This is even what happened with my people. In fact, this is what has to happen by using my people or whatever it is. We're, we're going to get into that discussion in a second, as, as Jason was pointing out to. Um, but, I, 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 you know, does it hurt the credibility? I, I don't think it does. I'd rather no, know that no. Scripture is being honest with me, right? That exactly. it's just telling me the truth. Like, like you don't want to go to the doctor and the doctor said, you know, hey, I, am I sick or am I not sick? And you can imagine the doctor just looking at you and saying, well, look, let me, let me keep it nice for a second, okay? I mean, you're a little bit sick, but you're not really that sick. That's, that's not what you want to hear from the doctor. You want to hear the truth, even if it hurts. Yep. And I think having violence uh, in the story of the Bible is important because it reflects reality, right? It reflects really what's going on among us. Um, uh, while you guys think about that, I just want to recognize again these comments. We got we got a, a lot of activity here going on. Um, Andrew Michelle, might not be here, but he's in the comments. Yeah, oh, he's here. He's here. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, really quick, Michelle obviously says the wages of sin is death. That is that is absolutely true. Roman says that, right? Um, Matthew, in answering the question as to why there's so much uh, violent stories in the Bible, says perhaps to show us the consequences of sin and how our lives would be without Jesus in our lives. He says, side note, isn't the Old Testament longer than the New Testament? It is, actually. Uh, and, it's, and it spans um, a lot longer time, right? Mm -hmm. uh, at least in, in the period that it was written. Uh, but the, we have to also recognize that the New Testament kind of ends open-ended, right? We know that the end is coming, but what's going to be written between the New Testament and the coming of Jesus is, is, is what we're living now. Um, Andrew, also known as Keep Calm Advent On, and we're like totally covering you <laughs> up, uh, Jason, in this comment. That's how, that's how big it is. Okay, so uh, <laughs> I don't even know what to do with this. Uh, like Jason's completely gone in this comment. But here you go. Uh, he, he says, uh, I think the beauty of the Bible is that it shows the good. You know what? Hold on. I, this is, this is, a, let, let me see. All right, now it's covering all of us right there. Hold okay. on, hold on. Let me, let me, let me sit. sit. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. A little bit. All right. It says, look, it says, I think the beauty of the Bible is that it shows the good and the bad and doesn't try to hide uh, we humans do, what we humans do or how God deals with us. This allows us to see God in his true light. If our presupposition of God is love, then we have to view the accounts as such. Uh, uh, or we, uh, I says our, I think it says our right and God, our, uh, he says, I, 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 are, are, are we oh, right? Oh, are we right? Are we right? And God is evil or are we wrong? And God is good. Even in these difficult passages, a Andrew, I don't even know how Andrew got that entire comment in there. Cause I feel like it cuts out everybody else. Um, <laughs> that, that's powerful. It, well, it's, it, it's good to see Andrew uh, at least commenting with us. You know, Andrew, Andrew makes a, a, a big, a big, uh, a point there because um, the fact that the God does not try to hide the reality of life, the reality of, of human life tells us that, that, you know, again, it's, it's a, it's an upfront story that God is showing, you know, um, we, we tend to hide, by because of embarrassment or 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 fear or whatever we tend to hide the bad parts even of our own stories and they might be even good ones you know yeah. um but that's not what god is god god is is completely honest and that honesty 
might seem uh, a little harsh for some people. And that's yeah. something that as if a believer or if someone wants to actually find, uh, um, find, uh, no, 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 no. Let, me, let me say this differently. If someone wants uh, 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 a clear answer, the Bible yeah. gives it to you. It yeah. gives you, this is what happens when you fall into sin. These are the consequences of sin. This is how you get out of sin. And this is what the what happens when you get out of sin. This is the the the, the reward that comes out of sin. It's very simple. There, there, and especially with some of these accounts, what we're going to be looking on, God, again, is showing mercy. God, again, is is calling people to not fall into sin, to mm. not do this. And it's a constant and constant, constant calling from God's behalf, not only to, to pagan uh, or non-believing uh, uh, nations, but to especially, especially to his people, something that, that Jason uh, pointed out to earlier. There's, there's, a, there's a verse I think that's important, uh, and, I'll, and I'll read it real quick. You guys know it. Uh, many of you do. 1 Corinthians 10, 6. Uh, where it's talking about the story of Israel. Paul is talking about everything that Israel went through. Mm -hmm. And he, he writes in verse 6, again, this is 1 Corinthians 10, 6. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Yeah. Um, and he, he goes on to say, do not be idolaters as some of them were. Uh, we should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. I'm skipping around here. We should not test Christ as some of them did. Do not grumble as some of them did. And then he repeats one more time in verse 11. He says, these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you mm -hmm. don't fall. Right. And, and I think I think it's important that the Bible be as real, as honest, so that as I think as Andrew had pointed out in the comments, so that we can see God in his true light. But but I would even say perhaps even more importantly so that we could see ourselves mm -hmm. in our true light. Because mm -hmm. until we see ourselves in who we really are and what we were really about, I, I don't know how you turn to God, right? One of the things that the Spirit does first and foremost is actually convict you of your own sin. That has to happen for you to come to God. So, um, I, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think these stories hurt the Bible at all. Uh, on the contrary, this is what I want to see from the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. I, I want to see real accounts that, that show humanity as it is. Um, now, before, go ahead, go ahead, Jason, go ahead. Yeah. No, well, I mean, just if you, if you look at our current history, the history the, that we know, look at the story of Christopher Columbus. For so many years, everybody thought that he was this good guy, discovered them, the Americas by accident, da da da. da. Yeah. In the last couple of years, we know that he did a lot of horrific things. Even with just recent history, within the last maybe 50, 60, 70 years, leaders like Martin Luther King, things have came out about him. The, the, that weren't pushed out to public because they were they were hiding them and things like that. So the fact that God's like, no, I'm not going to play that nonsense. Here's here's everything. It, mm -hmm. it just shows you that God's character is on point with what the Bible says. It shows you, no, I'm truthful and I'm honest 100 of the time. I'm not gonna. I'm never gonna put a facade. Yeah, and that, yeah. that's exactly God. He he never puts a facade for anything. If something went wrong, he shows you. He's like, look, this yeah. is what happens yeah. when I'm taken out of the picture or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, okay, so fine. God, at this point, we can say is honest, right? Mm -hmm. at, least, at least this is why God would allow these violent accounts in there. 
Uh, but now we get into the reason as to why these violent accounts exist in the Bible or what they tell us. Uh, going to Matthew's comment here, he says, the violent accounts may hurt the Bible when we can't explain why God was violent in the Old Testament. Even, even that statement, by the way, because that's a very fascinating statement that God was the one that was violent. Even that one, you got to almost like ask yourself, like, wait a minute, is that what's going on or not, right? But he says, obviously, as believers, we need to know the Bible to be able to explain and discuss these things with non-believers. So we, we have to jump into that. Now, can I read a Bible verse for you guys? Um, I probably should put it on the screen, but uh, it, may, it may take me a little too long to write it up. Uh, but if you're watching a slide or if you're listening to us, we're going to read Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. Right, Deuteronomy chapter seven, verses one and two. Uh, so, uh, yeah, no, Matthew, I know, I know. I, I, he says it's, he said it's uh, in quotation marks. Uh, no, I'm, I'm hearing about. It. Yeah, no, exactly. That's why, that's why I pointed to the, the idea of violent. Right, that's a very interesting phrase. Um, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, so, Deuteronomy chapter seven, verses one through two. In fact, if you're looking it up in the Bibles, just so, or if you're joining us, uh, I'm just going to put up the reference here. Uh, on the screen so that you can see it. So that's a Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 1 through 2. And notice this is God speaking through Moses, we believe. And this is what God says. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, you are entering to possess and drive out before you many nations, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the, the, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, all the ites, right, is what we would say. Mm -hmm. Seven nations larger and stronger than you. It says, and when the Lord, this is verse two, and when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. Okay. And, and, it, and it finishes saying, make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. Wow. Okay. I, this, this, this sounds like a, this sounds like one of two things, by the way. Can I say this? Look, this sounds like one of two things. This sounds like a very violent movie of revenge, right? Where they just want to destroy the enemy totally. But Jason, to you specifically, I say this. This also sounds like a soccer game. Where in a soccer <laughs> game, you say you, you want to destroy your opponent totally, right? Obliterate them. No mercy. Obliterate them. Do not, do not allow them to score whatever it is, right? But you got to <laughs> down is the language we use when it comes to that. All right, we laugh a little bit, but it's a, it's a fascinating statement. Now, we want to explore these statements because here, this idea of destroying them totally, some people will say, look, God is, God is commanding genocide here. But before we jump into this, I think it's important that we look at some context. And so I want to ask you guys this about what you know, about what you've seen, what you've read, uh, what you've heard. What do you know about the relationship between the Canaanites and the Israelites? Because obviously this is, this, is what we're, this is what we're looking at, right? The Canaanites, all these ites, these seven nations, we know that Canaan is the land that they are supposed to possess historically mm -hmm. in the Bible. So what's going on in this relationship? What, what, do you, what do you guys know? What can we share? Uh, how is that relevant to this conversation? Can I, can I uh, take the role of Andrew and quote uh, Ellen G. White for a second? We need somebody. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So this is actually found in Patriots and Prophets talking about the Tower of Babel, chapter 10. Tell me, okay. tell me, tell me why you took my, you took my, my, when I was, are we going to start fighting? Are we going to start fighting over the <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> okay. So, so 
Um, this is after the flood, right? When uh, okay. after a Tower of Babel, um, at least the, the story that we're examining now, but I just want to take you a little bit back into what, what, what Sister White says about this land. All right. Um, it says this, uh, and this is in chapter 10. Noah, okay. speaking by divine inspiration, foretold the history of the three great races to spring from these fathers of mankind. It's the three great races of his children, of his children, okay? Um, Shem, Ham, and Hafet. It says, tracing the descendants of Ham through the son rather than the father, he declared, cursed be Canaan, uh, a servant of servants mm. shall be unto mm. his brethren. The unnatural crime of Ham declared that a fil filial uh, reverence had long been uh, before it been cast off from his soul, and it revealed that impiety and vileness of his character. These evil characteristics were perpetuated, perpetuated in Canaan, in the land of Canaan, which is that's exactly mm. what we're talking about, right? The Canaanites they they come from from this one son. It says, uh, whose whose continued guilt called upon the judgment of God. And it's interesting because Canaan had prosperity. Sure. Canaan had prosperity, and it's recognized by Sister White. But it says the following: the prosperity of Canaan of the of Canaan's descendants is the most degradating form of heathenism. So there's there's a big contrast between Israel, God's people, and the and the Canaanites that were heathen. Martin, Martin, quick question. I'm not are done you, yet, you, but but yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, yeah. I was going to ask you if you're going to continue reading because um, I, I I just want to interject very quickly. Because I, I, I almost want to see if we can even go back further in the story very, very quickly, within a minute. Okay, okay. okay. Um, if, if we remember the moment that Eve eats from the tree, uh, serpent tempts her. In Genesis 3.15, what we know as, as the proto-evangelium, this is the first gospel mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, we have this moment where God says, look, this is what's going to happen. You're going to have your offspring and the serpent's offspring. And you guys are going to be enemies, mm -hmm. right? Your offspring is going to defeat the serpent, but the serpent, the serpent's offspring is going to hurt. And so Genesis presents kind of like this beginning moment, right? And, and the rest of the story branches off from that. And so this, these two offsprings, you can see them in Cain and Abel, mm -hmm. right? Cain gets upset at God and hurts Abel, who was doing right by God, mm -hmm. right? And so you have these two groups kind of form, Eventually, uh, uh, there was a third child, Adam and Eve, right? We have Seth. Seth yeah. And then Seth, uh, when you see his lineage, we end up in Noah. Now, in Noah's time, you have Noah, righteous man, and then you have all the antediluvians who apparently were incredibly wicked. So again, you see those two groups, mm -hmm. but all the wicked people die. And so now you're left with Noah and the three sons, which is uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, and and. And this is where, in my opinion, things get very interesting because when you look at, and this is going to, I'm, I'm going to just shoot it back to you, Martin. But when you look at what happens between Noah's sons, they escape the flood. But again, the prophecy says you're going to have two groups that yeah. are always going to be contending with each other. So who's going to represent this second group? And so this is where you get the issue uh, where the nakedness of the father was seen, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and to me, it's interesting because it isn't Shem, it isn't Japheth, it's Ham. It's Ham. And, and the interesting thing about Ham is that when Noah finds out that he was mocking him or whatever happened, right? There's a lot of interpretations as to what happened. But when he finds out what happened, 
there's the curse that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. But literally, he changes his name. And the name is no longer Ham. He says, cursed be Canaan. Canaan, yeah. Right? And if you follow the, 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 uh, the genealogy, Ham's, one of his sons is Canaan. And another one, if you keep following it down, you're going to find Nimrod in, in the genealogy as well, mm -hmm. which leads us to the Tower of Babel. Mm -hmm. So you have, and, and in fact, I, I got to read the statement very quick. This is Genesis 9, 24, 25. He says, this is uh, Noah speaking. Cursed be Canaan, the lowest of slaves will he be to his brothers. Mm -hmm. And in verse 26, he says, praise be to the Lord, the God of Shem. May Canaan be the slave of Shem. So there is already a spiritual relationship between them. And I, and I, I just wanted to point this out because you mentioned what Ellen White is saying. But you could bring this way back to Adam and Eve and the curse that falls upon them. You know, it's the, it's the two offspring. It's the two groups. You're, they're going to be fighting. They're going to be clashing. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, and you know what? You, you, you set it up perfectly because as you were reading uh, the verses in, in, in Scripture, that's exactly what I'm seeing here. You know, it, it gives a distinction between, between those who honor God and those who don't, yeah. those who yeah. follow God's way and those who don't. And that's a clear, you can say, if we, if we want to establish a, a foundation between what's the difference between the Canaanites and Israel, it's the Canaanites that from, from the very beginning— did not do God's will and mm. Israel that mm. even in the middle of all its mistakes, they strive to do God's will. And I just wanted yeah. to finish saying this. It says this. So it's a curse, right? That, that Noah yeah. Uh, yeah. proclaimed there's like a curse and a blessing, blessing for one yeah. and the curse for the other. Again, something that you see a blessing to those who obey the, 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 um, the mandates of God and a curse to those who disobey. Even sure. in the middle of God's people, that's something that's still real now. It says, yes. it says the yes. following. It says, the prosperity of Canaan descendants to the most degrading um, uh, descended to the most degrading forms of heathenism through the prophetic curse had doomed them to slavery. The doom was withheld for centuries, which again, that's something I think we're going to be touching, we're touching on too. Um, how God was showing even mercy to the land of Canaan, even before we get to the book of Deuteronomy. There were, yes, there were yes. 430 years of, of, of God trying to reach, God trying to call them back, God trying to, to show them that there yeah. was a better way, and, and they refused. Yeah. Um, it says, yeah. God bore with their impiety and corruption until it passed the limits of divine forbearance. Then they were disposed and became bondsmen or slaves to the descendants of Shem and Hafet. And this is where we see yep. now, you know, right? The the yep. battle between good and evil, those who follow God and those who, who don't um who don't follow God. And again, it's a clear the clear one of the clear contrasts that we see between the two is a people who fall into deeper and deeper sin, and those that fall into sin here and there, mm. but they're they're called out. They're called out. They obey the voice of God. And that's uh, before you know. Without getting too much into the other questions, I think that would be a, a the relationship or a distinction between uh, Canaan and um, sure, Israel. sure. Jason, what, what do you what do you think about all this? You guys kind of just said practically everything, but it does. It it's like I was saying earlier. Everything has a history as to why it's going the way it goes. Yeah. For yeah. every. For every action, there's a reaction. It's the same thing with God. For every sin, for every breaking of the law, the there's a consequence. Mm -hmm. yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. 
unfortunately it happened to to Ham, and it just went down from there. And it wasn't. <clears throat> what I find crazy is that it was like the the, the story blows my mind. The fact that after the arc, um, Noah sure, had sure. had to do the wine, and because sure. of a mistake that Noah made. His son also committed a mistake. Like, that, 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 like reading into that story, like that, yeah. that, threw, me, that threw me off oddly. And there's, yeah. there's so many things from that story, and I, I, we were talking about it earlier this week that stem just from that, from that, from from that Bible story. Obviously, right. we're not, we're not going right. to get into it today, but right, right. It, it, back to back to it. Everything has a consequence. Every reaction has a, yeah. every action has a reaction, and this is part of it. Now, um, and going going back to the whole Canaan situation, every single one of those tribes, every single one of them. Well, let me bring that text back up so I can read them off. Um, what was it? The Hittites, the Girgashites. I don't know if I'm saying it right. The Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, per- and the Hivites. All of them were extremely idolatrous um, groups of people. It wasn't like oh one of them still followed God or like this guy still followed God or this guy didn't. All of them were extremely idolatrous. We, I don't believe there, I don't believe there's an exact historical record on every single one of them. Besides biblical accounts, some things have been found, something have, some things haven't, but we could only imagine how bad things, some of these things got. We know from, from historical findings that there's many, many people that offered children to their, to their gods. That yeah. did yeah. just that, that really did like really ugly things, so I yeah. can only imagine what these groups were doing, especially the fact that they were cursed already to begin with, and if they just completely for all those years that the Israel was in the desert, for all those years that um the that all these chances that they had, because just because they were cursed didn't mean that that they had to live their entire entire history like that. I'm more than yeah. sure that there was so many chances that God gave them, so many opportunities, so many times that he reached out to them, but they always threw them to the side. So eventually your sins do catch up to you, and that's what's happening here. But can I, can I ask you a question, Jason, though? You just said something right now. Um, you said, I am sure that God gave them so many opportunities. What What makes you so sure about that? Because there's so many other accounts in the Bible that we know of that explain the person, not, not even just a people, just a person's, a person's, um, all their sins they committed, yet God's still mm. reaching out to them. And when, even if that, look at David, just at the story of David, someone that was chosen by God, he committed a lot of, he did a lot of wrong. But even, but even to that point, God, he asked God for forgiveness and God it later yeah. on calls him a man after his own heart. Look at the story of Nineveh. Yeah. Nineveh was one of the Nineveh was in the same situation as these guys. Yes, they were idolatrous, yes. they were doing a lot of wrong things, but they all asked for forgiveness. They all repented of their sins and what did God do? He completely forgave the whole city. He didn't destroy none of them. Right, right. So right. whereas one account we have God passing judgment on on a on a group of people, we also have an account where God passes judgment, but hey, look, they repented. Nothing happens to them, right? Right. We could we could we could even go into into the into the Abraham's times with Sodom and Gomorrah. How long did, right. Did, right. did 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 he not plead with God like God? Let me at least find one. His own nephew wasn't one of them. Mm. He had to extradite him to the city. Yeah. yeah, 
God, God's yeah. always he, he. If it would have just been for just one person, God would have not done anything. God yeah, would have let I, those I, people continue living. So it's not that God right. doesn't give chances; He always does. And that's where I come with that idea that I'm sure, sure, sure. He gave him those opportunities. Yeah, no, and and I, I wanted to give you a, a moment to explain that because I think, I think it's very important that we see consistency in God, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's not like God is this wishy-washy character in, in, in scripture, in the narrative of scripture. And, you know, he just does whatever he wants, whenever he wants and however he exactly. feels like it. There is a consistency with God. Um, now I, I do just want to pick on something that both of you have said, and it's this idea of, of them being cursed. When we say they're cursed, I don't think we mean that they were destined to be evil. No, I, I think what, I think what we're trying to say, you guys can tell me if, if you disagree with this or not, but I think what we're trying to say is that, that there is something that the Bible points to, and that is that the consequences of the earlier generations affect the later generations yeah. as well, mm -hmm. right? The actions, the, uh, that's what I meant. The actions of the earlier generations of the ancient generations affect us. Now, this is, this is the line of history, by the way, right? The reason we are what we are and what we're like is because prior generations were a certain way. Mm -hmm. and, and so there are consequences to their actions. Um, you, you know, uh, we, we talk a lot about millennials and why millennials sometimes just freak out about everything, right? They're just so scared about everything. Well, it's because in a sense, our fathers grew up and our, our parents grew up in this, in this era where they started finding out that playing with the plastic bag over your head was bad, right? That all of a sudden, uh, drinking this was bad or too much of that was bad. And that starts getting instilled in the children. And now we live, we live kind of these paranoid lives. So what what happened in the Bible kind of gives you this idea that the actions of a father could have may have consequences in the second, third and even fourth generations. And, and I think this is what we point to as curse. Would you would you guys agree with that? Yes, Yeah. exactly. That's why I, that, that's why I, obviously I didn't exactly um, explain it as well as you did. But that's why I said that even though they were cursed. They still God still gave them the opportunity. It wasn't like he just told them to live the rest of their lives like that, but they chose it. It wasn't like yeah. the opportunity wasn't given. They they could have stayed, they could have been their their father could have made those mistakes, but if they would have relied on God, if they would have um uptaken uptaken God, I things would have been different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Can, can I mention something that 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 sure. was that was on before? Uh seeing like how how bad uh the canaanites were um I, I was reading this book in preparation for today that's called uh, um is god a moral monster and it actually touches this uh the ver some of the verses that we're touching on today it touches them in three chapters uh okay. i got through two okay. of the three chapters uh but okay. it describes something ab about how wicked was the, were the canaanites um and it says and it says it starts with a familiar line it says the apple doesn't far 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 from the tree in the case of the Canaanites, the Canaanites' moral apple didn't far, didn't fall from a far. I'm sorry, didn't fall far from their tree of pantheon of immoral gods and goddesses. The Canaanites, the deities in in, in Canaan, they engaged in incest, right? Mm. Uh, which was which wasn't treated as wrong among the Canaanite people, but God saw it that way, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And and they had they've had they had adultery, which were part of their sex temples. They had bestiality, homosexual acts, also part of, of the of the temple sex. They even had uh, something that Jason mentioned, child sacrifices, which was also yeah. permitted. Um, and this is the crazy part. So we know that we were created in the image of God, right? 
and we were created in his likeness and we were created to reflect his glory. All right. But because humanity or the two, the, the, you know, the, the two groups, the ones who refused to look to their creator began to look at other idols. They began mm. to do the exact same things that their idols were doing, which included adultery, bestiality, homosexuality, ch child uh, sacrifices. And it even went more because it says the sexual acts of the gods and goddesses were imitated by the Canaanites as a kind of almost like magical act. The mm. more sex mm. the Canaanites, uh, uh, the more sex on the Canaanite high places, the more that will stimulate both the fertility god Baal and Anath, which were which would produce rain. Right. I, I, I don't want to read what the what the what the author wrote because it actually gets a little bit graphic, and I was just like, I'm sure, just not sure. 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 Because on top of the the sexual immorality, they also had bloodlust. That was yeah. also a consequence of the deities. Um, one of them, Anat, was a patron of both sex and war, and it remind and it actually connects it with the. Uh, bloodlust of uh, the Kali, which is in Hinduism, mm. that would drink the blood of her victims, sur that surrounded herself with corpses, and even in some drawings has a, a necklace of skulls. So you see death, death yeah. and destruction. Yeah. And that's yeah. the same thing that the people, the Canaanites, were worshiping. Yeah. So the more that they not look to God, the more they reflected, um, uh, uh, well, they reflected the, the these idols that they were worshiping. I just want okay. to add that before we continue. Sure. No, no, that's fine. Okay, and and by the way, I just want to uh, recognize Michelle's comment here. She says, "You see, Pastor Martin, there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, these horrible acts have been happening from long ago. Sin is yep. such a sinful sickness, yep. uh, you, you know. And it's fascinating the things that you just mentioned right now because." I, I think of what sells today, right? What what makes a lot of money today, mm -hmm. especially in, in the entertainment industry, and it turns out to be sex and violence, mm -hmm. right? Uh, sex and violence sell so much because it appeals, I think, to our lower and our base natures. Now, fine. So you guys have described to me uh, Canaanites who are just the worst, okay, morally speaking. Now, the question is this, all right? In the text of Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 2, and we should probably read Deuteronomy 20, verses 16 through 18. We're, we'll, we'll do it just because uh, I know what the, what the Bible verse says, but I think it's important that uh, anybody that's watching us right now, uh, and again, we thank you for all those who are watching us live. Uh, Andrew's not with us today. We miss Andrew today, um, but, uh, but we hope that everything is going well. Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 16 through 18. I'll read this. It says, however, again, this is, we believe, God speaking through Moses. In the cities of the nations, the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. Do not leave alive anything that breathes. Wow, that's a, that's, a, that's a very, very tough statement there, right? Completely destroy them. The Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Otherwise, they will teach you to follow all the detestable things they do in worshiping their gods, and you will sin against the Lord your God. Those are the two texts. All right. So my question is, is God commanding genocide in these texts? Hmm. Uh, a quick answer, no. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, a quick answer, no, because uh, um, I think, I think uh, again, God being our father, um, and it reminds me of the many times that my parents will always tell me, look, 
this person is a bad influence. Stay away. Don't have nothing to do with them. Don't speak to them. You know, uh, they're 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 gonna they're gonna corrupt you. Which I I I hear now from a lot of the parents that tell their kids, right, that if they're not careful with the influence, that they will be corrupted. And mm -hmm. when we when we read this text, especially where it says uh, that God, but you shall utterly destroy them or have nothing to do with them, right? Uh, breathe. It's because. God was trying to show them, or at least how, how I understand it, God was trying to show them the level of their depravity, the hmm. level of their sinfulness. And again, what does the light have to do with darkness? You know, which we know that from scripture, right? Hmm. Um, I, I read this in one of the comments, uh, um, that the um, commentaries that I was reading, that I was reading it says, peace with the wickedness. And this is actually speaking about verse verse 16 in chapter 20 okay. let nothing that breathes remain alive and this is what the author says peace with the wickedness with wicked inhabitants of canaan was not an option if they were left in the land they would turn the chosen people from god and thereby destroy israel mm -hmm. um and then it continues saying they did not repent during a long period given by god um, devoting all living things, including all people and their animals to destruction meant that God, that God wiped out Canaan um, the same way that he would wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah. The difference was that he used the Israelites as his instrument rather than fire from heaven. If he had used fire, Canaan would have been uninhabitable. But by cooperating with, uh, by, by cooperating so, yeah. by, uh, as the Lord's army, in spite of the danger, Israel were to develop their trust in him. The Israelites could not keep animals of the Canaanites as bounty because that meant that they had part. They, they would have a part of the credit of victory. The battle was entirely the Lord's. So everything belonged to him. So uh, and, and this is where where we have other references where, for example, with, with Samuel, I mean, with, with Saul where he was also commanded to do the exact same thing. And we see the consequence of that. So if we, if we go back to this story, it was God again, trying to yeah. remove all the obstacles. And it, 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 it's not, it's not fair to say that it was genocide or well, that was, that was the word that you used. Right? That was the word. Yeah. 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 yeah it wasn't, genocide. it wasn't genocide because it wasn't against a people. It wasn't directly against people. It was against uh, 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 the evil that was there. And yeah. the best way to do that, and we see this all throughout scripture, is to not give it any foothold. And if Israel was going to be merciful, right, or disobey the, 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 the commandments of the Lord, they were going to put their salvation, not only disobey the Lord, but their salvation, their call in jeopardy. And that's exactly what we see in their history. Can I can I say something um, before before I try to answer this question as well? Um, it w when we see something like this, honestly, it shocks us in the year twenty twenty one, right? And we're like, wow, like that's that's just it it just sounds so harsh, and it sounds so unethical, right, by today's standards. But you have to say that those are Christian standards; they're definitely not secular standards. Because first of all, we've spoken about this, that, that from a secular standpoint, a standpoint that says God does not exist, and so neither do the principles that come from, for example, Scripture, the Bible, or, you know, Christianity in this case. 
you could get away with a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And genocide could be justified under certain circumstances. I, under biblical standards, you would say, wow, that is, that is really harsh. But because you have a Judeo-Christian world ethic at this point, which tells you that Jesus talked about loving your enemies, mm -hmm. right? And that killing is not the option. And vengeance is not the way, right? The vengeance is the Lord's, it's not ours. So to me, I'm going to say this with all due respect, right? But to me, it's kind of hypocritical of the people who point to the Bible and say, oh, look, look at all that. Uh, how, how, how could the Bible command genocide or how can God command genocide? Like that, that's totally unethical. Unethical by whose standards? You would have to say that they are unethical by God's very own standards mm -hmm. because God is love. Because we have put love at a, at a supreme level, at a high level. Are you, are you guys following what I'm trying to say? Like, it's, it's weird that somebody would object to this mm -hmm. when what they're, and, and they're objecting to God in the process when, when really the issue is about what is right and what is wrong. But how do you determine what is right and what is wrong if you don't use the standards that God has placed? Now, you know, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, I just wanted to add something that, and, and something that uh, we talked about from the beginning. We see consistency in scripture, right? We also see consistency in the way God acts. From the very beginning, God said that he, that he was going to bless the earth through Abraham, that he was going to bless all people. So there by itself, just by that one sentence, God's decision to, or God's decisions are not ethnically or he, they're not genocidal in, in, in purpose. Why? Because from the beginning he was out. He was out to bless everyone. Mm, so mm. if we, if those same critics are look at the full context of Scripture, especially the Old Testament, we see the same treatment God gives everyone. Because we have stories of like uh, um, uh, even here, his own I, people, I, even, even his own among people, his own people, exactly. Yes. Yes. Exactly. I mean, the fact that you have even a pagan woman like Rahab join Israel. That That's shows you that that you. that God that God was not, was not partial wait, to to wait, wait, to people wait, or just to yeah. Israel. Martin, um, Martin, yeah, Martin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you mentioned Rahab though. This mm -hmm. is where things get super interesting uh -huh. because Rahab, if if we were talking about genocide, Jericho, destroy the entire city. Well, then first question is why does Rahab get saved? Okay. But then the second question is, Rahab, who was, by the way, a prostitute, okay? Rahab, who was a prostitute, enters into the lineage of David. Yep, yep. Hold on, hold on. And because she enters into the genealogy of David, also enters into the genealogy of Christ. Jesus. What is going on here? Oh, okay. See, the problem I think happens is that we read... We, we cherry pick scripture mm -hmm. instead of trying to get the whole story. Mm -hmm. Because if we got the whole story, you would see, wait a minute, there's always this, this, this balance of judgment and grace. Mm -hmm. And all of it falls under God's love. But there's always this, this balance of God's love, God's grace, God's love, God's grace. Um, in fact, you said something. You said that it, it, what, it isn't so much about like God targeting a certain group of people, right? Because he's across the board. He even does this to Israel as well, right? Yep. To his own people. He says, look, judgment is going to come upon you. Check this out. I, I, I want to I show you guys a, a, a quick verse here. 
Deuteronomy chapter 9, talking about the same group of people in Canaan, right? This is Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 4. To me, this is fascinating. After the Lord your God has driven them out before you, do not say to yourself, the Lord has brought me here to take possession of this land because of my righteousness. No, this is God speaking. No, it is on account of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is going to drive them out before you. It is not, verse 5, it is not because of your righteousness or your integrity that you are going in to take possession of the land, but on account of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God will drive them out before you to accomplish what he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And and by the way, Deuteronomy 7.7 also has a similar idea where it says, the Lord did not set his affection on you to Israel and chose you because you were more numerous than other people for you were the fewest of all people. You know what? Look, this... This to me tells you that the issue when God commands to destroy utterly is an issue of wickedness, mm-hmm. not of race. Yep. It just so happens that the entire race is wicked in this case. But the, the problem that God is having is that wickedness has reached a certain level. By the way, you know when God destroys uh, in the time of Noah? When wickedness reached a certain level. Mm-hmm. Sodom and Gomorrah, when did he destroy? When wickedness reached a certain level. Why did he want to destroy Nineveh? When wickedness reached a certain level. When the Israelites were sent into exile, when wickedness reached a certain level. By the way, when final judgment comes, when is that going to happen? I, I, I'm just going to be consistent with scripture. When wickedness reaches a certain level. level. This is the consistency of God. What say you guys about that? You know, uh, um, and sorry, I'll give time to to Jason to speak because I know he's been waiting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we don't we don't I want him want, to fall asleep, Martin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Um, just to add to add uh, more evidence, Amos chapter one and chapter two. Amos chapter one and chapter two talk about first all these pagan lands. It, it talks about Damascus. It, it, it says uh, it, it's always like judgment against the nations. So it begins to name all these nations. It says. The, the three transgressions of Damascus. Then it begins and it goes into the people of Syria. Then it goes into the people of uh, transgressions of Gaza. But chapter two takes a flip because okay. these are used as example. But chapter two says in verse, in verse uh, four, thus says the Lord for three transgressions of Judah. Now, verse six, and thus says the Lord and the transgressions and three transgressions of, of Israel. Israel. And for four, which is crazy because it's the exact same phrasing that we see in the chapter before. Mm. Again, it's not an issue of people or races or it's an issue of obedience or disobedience. God's people, and that can include Israel obeying and even Israel can become not God's people when they disobey. So it's it's an issue yeah. of, 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 well, of, of, of being or, or or taking God uh, seriously, which is the, what we talked about with Rahab. What we also see when when uh, um, when uh, uh, Moses, the fact that Moses marries someone that isn't an Israelite, he, he marries he marries a Cushite slash Ethiopian woman, you know, that became part of Israel. You know, right. it's not an right. issue of of oh God had it out against these people or these these uh these nations no it was because the their idolatry because of their sinfulness had uh, you know they had turned basically their 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 backs on god 
So yeah. God had given them opportunity after opportunity. Like in the case of Rahab, she chose God. In the case of, of Zephora, she chose God, you know, yes. and, it's, and yes. it's obedience or disobedience, choosing God or not choosing God. Jason, Jason, before, before you say anything, by the way. Sorry, dude. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, before you do, because I realized that I didn't even give an answer about whether or not this is genocide. I think um, genocide, by definition, by the way, right, it's when one race attempts to annihilate, destroy, kill completely another race or nation or group of people. Um, but these verses that I was pointing to, what you were saying, Martin, Jason, we'll get your opinion on this in a second, uh, point to the fact that it isn't about one race overpowering another. It is about judgment. It is about righteous judgment. Mm -hmm. And this is, by the way, what Jason was pointing to. So, Jason, I'm going to throw it to you real, real quick because you were talking about this a little bit earlier. What, what do you think about all this? No, yeah, um, I wanted to go back. I was actually going to say the whole, the whole comment about Rahab. Look at what happened with Jericho. It got destroyed, but the one person that decided to, rep to repent and uptake God what happened? Her and her entire family got saved. And obviously we know the story. Yeah. It goes all the yeah. way down to Jesus. So yeah. It, yeah. like Martin was saying, it's not an issue of race. It's not an issue of people. It's not an issue of kingdom. It's literally an issue of sins. Because look at Israel. Look at Israel's track record. Mm -hmm. If we follow all the way to Ezekiel, look at prophet, what Prophet Ezekiel had to do. He had to bring bones back to life. He had to pray for the people to come back up. They had gotten destroyed by their enemy because they let go of God. What happened with Babylon? When the Babylonian powers took over in Daniel's time, they just wiped out Israel practically yeah, yeah. because they got away from God. What happened when they were being enslaved in Egypt? They got away from God. So it's not that the Bible is not even consistent. Even with the Israelites, God passes yeah. through like a really bad judgment. Like literally. Judgment is fair. Eradicate, he almost eradicates them. Yep. Yep. And those are the chosen people. That, yep. That's like, like Mitch was saying earlier. The people that try to get again, go against God's character, that he that, that he just does whatever he wants, it's not true. He even right. on, on his own people, he passes like passes like this horrific judgment. Mm -hmm. Like th that's a, the story of Ezekiel on the Valley of Dry Bones. That's a story that's been in that's just like embedded in my brain because that's right. how bad it got. Like right. that's how right. that's how like to the point that Ezekiel was pretty much one of the last few Israelites standing. You know, so it's not so God's equal with everybody. He yeah. passes judgment equally through everybody. Now, another comment that I had to say, and I guess this is kind of jumping ahead to the story of Saul. Um, yeah, let, well, let's, well, let's but, but don't don't lose your thought there. Let's read okay. the text, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I think it's important that we give a little bit of context. And we're talking about First Samuel chapter fifteen, uh, and and you know verses one, two, and three. But essentially, the main text is verse three. And, and I'm going to go right back to you, Jason, on this. Yeah, uh, so you could you could transition to that, but here is another order. We see something similar in Joshua with Jericho as well, but this is another prominent one, another one that's used in objections uh, towards the Bible. Where First Samuel fifteen three, now go. This is Samuel speaking to a Saul. Now go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. This was a little bit more explicit. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep camels and donkeys and you know once you see children and infants there people get shocked and, and are like wow this is this is horrible so jason what were you going to say about that okay so we have to do a little history on this on this part we know that the amalekites or amalek and his people they had they had struck israel 
when they were when they were when they were still wandering. Sure. They they they, they I, I believe I believe if I if I remember correctly what I was reading they were they were river people they were always by the rivers and whatnot because back in those days that's you kind of had to live by the river. So as the Israelites were going, um, trying to get trying to stay alive, going through by the rivers, these people struck them. And and this is what catches my attention too. Like um, this is how we know that they did something wrong because if you keep on reading in that same in the in that same chapter in verse what is it six. Saul meets up with another group of people, but he doesn't even touch them, even though they were another idolatrous idolatrous uh, group. Um, he he tells them in verse six. Then Saul said to the Kenites, "Go depart, go depart, go down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them." So it tells you that there was judgment being done, because if it would have been genocide, they were in there too. When when someone commits genocide, they don't care who it is. It's just as long as you look different or you act a little different. You take them out. Am I uh, am I right? And here we see that Saul's like even there. Saul, even though as corrupt as Saul was already becoming, yeah. that Saul shows a little bit of wisdom right there. And he knows specifically what God had told him to do. It's not that he didn't know. He knew what God had told him to do. So if we keep on reading this, this, um, this story, we see that Saul does indeed go attack him. We see that Saul does indeed... Um, start killing women and children. We see that he does start killing animals, but then he does specific things. He doesn't kill the king. Yeah. He doesn't kill the best of the people and doesn't kill the best of the livestock. And all of this all of this is to is to is to to take this back, to keep this as um what's the correct word as um I guess you could say the 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 what is it? They were pillaging after 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 yeah. the war. They were, taking, they were taking what they wanted. They were taking stuff back yeah. home. And back yeah. in these days, that's usually how soldiers got uh, got repaid. Um, whatever, sure. whenever, whatever they could pillage after a war, whatever they could take back home with them, that was theirs to keep. But God had specifically told them already: you guys got to destroy everything. Mm -hmm. And yeah. why? Because these guys had struck against Israel, and they were idolatrous. If anything survived off of that, those that was going to back up and follow the Israelites. They would end, eventually end up intermingling with these people, especially the ones that they survived. Th those were the high chances. Those were the high probabilities. And now with the, with the livestock, they didn't just choose whatever livestock. They chose the best, the best horses, the best cows, the best sheep. Yeah. Saying going back – they were going back home happy. But how could you go – this by them doing that, they were going completely against against God's character because yeah. God yeah. is not happy when He passes judgment. So by them right. doing right. that, they were right. going completely against Him. Right, right. No, no. I, I was. I'm sorry. I was. I was going to interrupt you there, but you're right. There's a there's a problem when, hey, we went and we destroyed an entire nation. Exactly. Look, we just got we just got so much better now. We got richer. We got all these things. That was not what God was thinking in this moment. He wasn't asking them to go get rich and be better because, or, or improve or whatever because of your destruction of this nation. If this was righteous judgment on behalf of God, then this is something that weighs heavily on God. By the way, I would also argue, you would, you would have to say that God has to take blame for some of these things. And I think God would gladly take blame for some of these commands that he has, right? And he would say, look, this is on me. 
and I, I may have my righteous opinions on this, by the way, we, we have to be very clear that we are limited in our scope of understanding mm -hmm. what was going on back then. We are humans, right? God is God. God knows it all. God knows the heart. But if, if we continue seeing the patterns, we can, we can kind of say, okay, this is what's going on. By the way, there's, a, there's an interesting text, uh, Genesis 15, 16, when God is speaking to, um, to Abraham. Uh, he tells him, look, you're going to die, right? But one of, these, one of these seven nations, the Amorites, the statement is so fascinating because he says, this is uh, God to Abraham. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here. That is the land of Canaan. For the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. So, wait, so what was God trying to say? Look, there's going to come a point where the sin is going to reach such a high level that righteous judgment will be needed. And, and um, look, I know we don't like the fact that, um, uh, that you have a God who all of a sudden commands death as judgment. But we, and, and we contrast that immediately to a God of love in the New Testament. We say, look, God is love. How could he do these things? And yet, doesn't Jesus talk about a God who can kill the soul, who can destroy the soul? Isn't the, isn't the book of Revelation talk about judgment, final judgment, hellfire? This is the reality of, of, of the judgment. Like, we can't escape this. We may not like it. But at some point, we have to realize that every single one of us deserves death, right? Mm -hmm. Like every, It's not a pretty thing, what I'm saying. But everyone deserves death because we're all sinners. The only reason we're alive is because of grace. See, and that's the thing. If you notice right now in the time that like in the way in what's going on in society, everything that's going on, everybody's pointing their fingers at the Bible. God did this wrong. God did that wrong. Or isn't he of God of love? But what everybody's forgetting Especially all these new, all these new religious groups that are coming out, all these new uh, forms of Christianity—they're always forgetting yeah. that the that the that, that literally sin leads to death. The reward it, eventually, death. yeah, right. And they're right. forgetting that they all think, "Oh, Jesus is love. Jesus is love. Oh, my sins are forgiven." But they don't for, they, they don't remember that every sin has a consequence. Yep. Right. Right. Every sin that is unattended, every sin that is not that you don't ask forgiveness for, there's gonna be a consequence, and that's exactly that's that's literally what's happening here. Everything that's happening to the Amorites, everything that's that's happening to the Amalekites, all those nations, it's literally their sins catching consequences. up. Consequences, yeah, yeah. It's 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 the consequences of all their sins that they never ask forgiveness for. Yeah, I want to I want to show this statement real quick, uh, and and Martin, I want to see I want to see what your comment is on this. This is Michael Kruger, an evangelical writer. He says the following. He says, rather than being surprised, God will finally judge people for their sins, even in great numbers. Perhaps we should be shocked that he waits so long to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Every one of us is alive and breathing solely because of God's incredible patience and grace. I love that statement because it's, it, it's true, isn't it? I, I, yeah. I want to I hear what you think about that. Like We're shocked like, oh my God, I can't believe that God would do this. And yet the question is, why didn't he do it sooner? So he doesn't do it sooner because it, was, uh, it has to be because of his character. What do you, what do you think? Well, yeah, that's it. it. It's, it's his love and mercy. He's yeah. always trying to give us the second chance, the benefit of the doubt. It's crazy that, that you mentioned that, Mitch, because I was just I'm reading again, taking the part of Andrew, bringing Sister White in. You yes. know, uh, this is in uh, Page Jackson Prophets again. Chapter I want to fix the same quote I got. Saul's rejection. Saul's rejection. Okay. Okay. And it talks about the forbearance. 
the forbearance that God has exercised towards the wicked, it, this is what she says. The forbearance that God has exercised towards the wicked emboldens men in transgressions, but their punishment will be none the less certain and terrible for being long delayed. And there's a few verses here that 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 uh, she she writes, and this is found, for example, in Ezekiel 33:11, where it says, "As I live, shall the Lord God." I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turns from yes, his right. way and live. Right there, we see that God desires even the wicked man to turn away from their from their wickedness and choose life. And the other verse that that um, that again, the Lord is merciful and gracious, long suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Yet he will by no means clear the guilty. This is Exodus 34, 6 and 7. And the right. one that we love to quote, the Lord is slow to anger and great in power <laughs> and will not at all acquit the wicked. Nahum 1, 3. The fact that God is merciful, if we are honest with ourselves, with our nature, we think we can slide through. We can get away with it. That's the same thing that we see, for example, with the case of Saul. Saul hmm. was given clear directives. Now, that case where he had to uh, destroy the Amalekites and especially the king of uh, Amalek, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Was the culmination of a history that God was trying to work with Saul. Fix right, right. Saul, you know, a uh, uh, deal with Saul, and what we see in chapter fifteen, where we see God giving him a a, a, a command, was also something that if Saul would have remained faithful, his uh, we we don't know that the type of inf influence Saul could have had on the surrounding nations, and Israel been, been prosperous and been been a blessing to the surrounding nations, that even the king of uh, Amalek would have turned away from the wickedness, but he continued to fall, maybe yeah. as a result of seeing, well, God's own king turned away. Why should I? Yeah. Which is something, again, that we, we should really understand the, the, the extent of not only our, our sinfulness, but the extent of, of, of the influence that we can have on others. Because, you know, God was specific with him, and, and it's crazy because... Um, God again doesn't the, he works with everyone that is willing to work with him because sure, in, sure. in verse 6 in chapter 15 it says and Saul said to the uh can can it can can it can right Kenites uh, the Kenites were actually a uh, part of Moses's uh what is it uh, um his father-in-law sure yeah, yeah and that again shows mercy there god shows mercy right through Saul Saul lets them go that they could have been destroyed if they would have fallen in they i'm sorry if they would have continued in idolatry or fallen into idolatry i guarantee you that the command would have been, gone to not only destroy amalek but destroy these guys also because they've yeah. fallen into idolatry as well yeah you know Omar, no it's interesting we talk about the seven nations and the commands that god gives to Israel about destroying them utterly. But we also have to recognize that there were other nations outside of those seven nations yeah. that were not, that, that God never commanded that destruction among them. Yeah. That's right. And so at, at some point you have to say, well, what's the difference? And, and, you know, again, we go back to this idea that there was um, 
incredible wickedness. I, I want to say something though, and, and we got to start wrapping this up because we have this final question that I, I, I want to, I want us just to chime in here. Um, and in fact, maybe even before we jump into that question, uh, just to, uh, recognize uh, Michelle's comment here. She said, the truth of the matter is that we get many chances even before wickedness gets to that level, to the mm -hmm. level where God has to destroy, right? Many, many chances. And yeah. Matthew just simply points and says, that's true. So, <laughs> you know, there, there you go. Um, but let me, this is the question, right? Do you, do you see a contradiction in Old Testament violence and Jesus' love, what, what the love that Jesus teaches in the New Testament? I'm, I'm going to say something. This is kind of my... Um, my grand theory, if I could put it, and maybe someday I'll write it into a book if, if, if I can even do that. I don't even know if I could write a book or not. But here we go. All right. This is, this is what I think. I think that the story of these very violent accounts, what appear to be genocide, by the way, which we are saying isn't so much genocide, but it's divine judgment, right? I think we're all in agreement with that. I think that even then, God shows that that is not the perfect method to deal things because... Mm -hmm. The purpose, notice this, the purpose of him commanding Israel to expel, get rid of, or totally destroy was so that they do not fall into the wickedness, yet they fell into the wickedness. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus comes and he shows an even better way, but it's not a way that involves human works. It's a way that involves purely divine works. And, and to me, it's fascinating because God comes in the flesh, Jesus, right? God, man, he lives our life, but then he also comes in and he is the victim of the violence of sin. And in the process, he has complete and total victory over all of that. You see, we keep going back to this idea that, you know, God was using Israel as a, as a, as a, um, a tool of his judgment, if we could put it that way. But, you know, he also used the Babylonians as a tool of his judgment against Israel. Yeah. Why? Because it always fails over and over again. Humans will fail. The purposes of humans will fail. The only one that will not and cannot fail is God. And so, see, I don't see a contradiction necessarily. What I see instead is a narrative. It's a story that says, look, we fell into sin. Uh, there was spiritual battles and these battles manifested themselves among like, you know, these crazy battles and the expulsion of nations and totally destroying them. And yet none of that led to salvation. What leads to salvation is when God wins by being defeated. And when he wins by being defeated, he totally wins, right? Like, the, like at this point, the victory is his completely. And so God shows you a better way. And at the end, he says, look, Judgment is still mine. Vengeance is still mine. Mm -hmm. So I don't see a contradiction. Also, I would say, Martin, to your point, one of the verses that you read, you would have to say, guys, honestly, you would have to say that if you're going to point to a verse and say, look at how violent God is, you also have to point to another verse that says how merciful God is as well. And the Old Testament is full of those. Yep. Read the Psalms for a second, and you'll see how, how there's this fine balance between judgment and and, and grace, right? Between uh, punishment and forgiveness. So I don't see a contradiction, personally. I, I don't know what you guys think. I, I don't even see the contradiction either. If anything, I all I see is a change of times. Because if you, if you really look at the context of the time that Jesus was living in, Israel itself was going through, through, through a sort of a judgment. They were being overrun by the Romans. 
It wasn't like they were their own free country. They were literally subdued to Roman law. Yeah. Is there, and if we looked at if we looked at the whole history of Israel, well, Israel, the times that they got overtaken by by the Amorites, the times that they got overtaken by the Babylonians, and all of this, it's times where Israel completely lost their touch with God. As to when Jesus was around in Jesus's days, it was a completely different thing. They were so scared of losing their way from God again that they had to create. Yeah. I, mean, I think we we spoke we spoke about this in another conversation. Yes, we, have, yeah. we had to create yeah. so many different types of rules to make sure that they didn't get to that point. That's right. But That's because right. they yeah. got to that to that area where they just did not want to separate from God anymore, they completely lost touch of what it was to really be what it really was to be a follower of God, what it really was to follow follow the Ten Commandments. Yeah. So it, it's just a it's it's literally it, it was just a change of of um of the times it wasn't yeah. necessarily that it was there was a contradiction it was just like a completely change of times yeah change, change of times is interesting uh, i you know the, look and I, I admit that there is no satisfactory answer to all of this i don't think there is mm -hmm. um but but i think what is very clear in our minds is that uh judgment on behalf of god is consistent no matter the time exactly now, God may delay judgment for sure, but in the end, the consequences of sin, they're death. In fact, look, I, I want to make sure we, we notice this, and, and Martin, I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you in a second, but uh, Matthew says, interesting point of view, some say that God is breaking the Ten Commandments by mass murders. What say you guys? Uh, while, you, while we ponder on that, Martin, what were you going to say? Oh, just, uh, um, I finally found the verse that I wanted to share. <laughs> uh, okay, so if we see in the Old Testament, you know, this... Uh, you know, waging of war, you can kind of call yeah, it, right? Between yeah. God's people and those who, who after many times that God tries to reach them, refuse God. Um, I would say we see something similar in the Old Testament, because but now it's closer, it's focused, not with the, yeah. surrounding, the surrounding nations, now it's just Israel itself, but there's yeah. two distinctions. There is the Jew and the Gentile, the person that believes and the person that doesn't believe, yeah. Again, a reflection of the Old Testament, one yeah. that believes and one that doesn't believe. But going back to the fact that um, the contradiction, uh, the question, do you see a contradiction in Old Testament violence and in Jesus' yeah. love in the New Testament? Well, Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. This is Jesus' words where he says, do not think yes, that yes. I have come to bring peace on earth, right, but right. I did come to bring, uh, did not come to uh, bring peace, but a sword. And what the, right. what is a sword a symbol of? A, a sword is a symbol of war. Yes. A sword is a symbol of violence. Now, I want to be clear. It does not mean that Jesus came to be violent. It, it's it's a clear uh, uh, what Jesus is saying here is that Jesus is bringing is going to bring a division between those who follow him and those who don't. Those who believe God and those who don't. Those who yeah. obey God, trust God, and those who don't. And therein light turns to division. And we see that. We see that with the people of, in the Old Testament. The fact that they were there were those who were against the God, uh, the God of Israel. So therefore, they were against Israel themselves. It was a turning against God and reflected on his chosen people. And we see that here. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, the fact that the disciples were sheep sent among the wolves. And that they were going to suffer the same way or believers were going to suffer the same way like we see in the book of Revelation, right? Uh, yeah. We see that that the dragon was enraged not only against the woman, but against 
her offspring. Again, it was a division between those who were faithful to the Lord's call and those who weren't. Let me let me add something, uh, and this is also going to the question of of Matthew. I'm going to put it up again, right where he talks about uh, some say that God is breaking the Ten Commandments by mass murder. What say you guys? Um, and and I kind of want to point this to a, to an Ellen White quote. And again, we're we're going to wrap this up in the next couple minutes. But but this is what she says: patriarchs and prophets as well, right? She says to to many, these commands seem to be contrary to the spirit of love and mercy enjoined in other mm. portions of the Bible. But they were, in truth, the dictates of infinite wisdom and goodness. Now, that doesn't make sense to us immediately, because you say, how could it be about wisdom and goodness when it sounds like it's about violence, right? Um, but he says, God was about to establish Israel and Canaan to develop among them a nation and a government that should be manifestation of his kingdom upon the earth. They were not only to be inheritors of the true religion, but to disseminate its principles throughout the world. This is where it gets really interesting. The Canaanites had abandoned themselves to the foulest and most abasing heathenism. We already mentioned that. Yep, yep. And it was necessary that the land should be cleared of what would so surely prevent the fulfillment of God's gracious purposes. That last statement. So what would you do if you knew that grace and mercy was on its way, but there was an obstacle for that grace and mercy to show up? Would you remove the obstacle? Would, would, you, would, you, would you try to find a way to push it to the side? This is what's happening here. There was so much immorality, so much wickedness among the people that if they were left to be, grace and mercy would have never came. Mm. And, and so, you know, look, I, I, I think that when, when we think about God and we say, well, hey, well, God was killing people, so you know that means he was breaking his own commandments. I would say no, but see, the problem is that God has a purpose to fulfill, and he's not killing out of selfish desires. He's not killing out of lust. He's not killing out of these things. When someone dies in the hands of God, at least in the judgment sense, it is because wickedness has reached a certain level, and there's no more room for grace. Mm -hmm. And so these perspectives we got to keep in mind. But, you know, again, it, it may not solve the problem completely, but we're struggling, right? We're, we're, we're trying to figure out what we do not know. But what we do know is that God ultimately is grace and mercy, even before he is judgment, always gives ample time. Um, guys, we got to wrap it up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thinking that we could go into many, many other things. I, I wish we could have explored uh, Genesis 12, 3, where uh, Abraham is told, that they will be a blessing to all nations, but whoever hates them, God will hate them back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and so the, these are real things. But um, very quickly, uh, Michelle, just the last comment here. She says, before Jehovah's awful throne, ye nations bow with sacred joy. Know that the Lord is God alone. He can create and he destroys. Look, at the end, amen, God is God. And there's no way uh, that we can deny that. Uh, ultimately, though, we do know that God loves us first and foremost and will do everything to save us but if we don't want that and death death is right there and that's that's going to be our our choice mm -hmm. guys all right look we got to wrap it up um this would have been it would have been great to have andrew here we missed andrew today uh maybe we'll just have andrew just uh give us an entire hour or so by himself okay uh <laughs> on, on this on this very topic but um if i don't know if we did it it's I don't dope. know if we if we did a, a good job in, in in putting in the 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 Ellen White quotes, you know. Uh, yeah, I know I he know, probably I know. would have 
twice as more more than twice we do. As many. But, you know. Yes, he yeah. would have. Yes, <laughs> yes, he would have. But look, uh, again, we want to thank everybody that's joined us. If you're still with us right now, uh, we know this was a longer conversation, but we're thankful that you joined us. In case you have reached the end. There's a special blessing. No, I'm just kidding. That's not, that's not true. Uh, if, if you're, if you're actually in the arms, look, we are blessed any moment that we spend here, but we do want to ask for your help. Make sure you share this conversation. Make sure you like the conversation. If you're watching on Facebook, on YouTube, whichever one it is. Uh, but we just hope that it'll be a blessing for others. And especially with these tough questions, because they're not easy questions. Now, mm -hmm. if everything goes well, we will be back here in two weeks, in two weeks again, uh, in, in the, our next conversation. So just keep an eye out to the comments. We hope that uh, you will find out when uh, that happens and what the next conversation is going to be. So just keep an eye out on the Instagram page. Um, Pastor Martin, will you lead us in the final word of prayer? Of course. Let's, uh, let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly and Gracious Father, Lord, uh, we want to thank you because we can go to your word, Lord, and, and, and look a little deeper, Father. Uh, forgive us, Lord, if we've uh, misunderstood your actions in the past, Lord, uh, and we've put you in the wrong light. Lord, I pray that you may open our understanding, help us see that 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 everything to us is, is limited and we have to learn to trust you more and more. We have to learn to see things the way you see them, Lord. You see them in, in a way of, of, of good and evil, uh, your children and those who have rejected you, Lord. Help us also understand that every decision that we make, Lord, that will affect us in that direction. Help us to remain faithful to you. Help us to remain faithful to your word. And Lord, I pray that every any person that, that hears uh, this conversation or is hearing this conversation now, Lord, that at the end of this conversation, that they may have a clearer understanding, not of what we know, but of who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Once again, thank you so much for joining us, Martin, Jason. Uh, it was a pleasure to have this conversation with you guys. Um, we just want to let everyone know uh, that we try our best. But honestly, what we're doing is just bringing in the little that the Lord has given us, just shared in conversation form, and we hope that it's a blessing. Uh, but, you know, as we always say here, things get crazy, right? Things get absolutely insane out there. And as you know, it's a violent world that we live in. But mm -hmm. when all that violence surrounds you, we've got five words for you. Keep calm and Advent on. Keep looking towards the coming of Jesus. Remember that God wants to save you above everything else, and he will wait for you as long as possible. But don't choose death. Don't you choose death. Keep your eyes on the coming of Jesus. He's coming soon. Amen. Uh, we hope to see all of you in our next conversation. Thank you so much to all those who joined, all those who were commenting. God bless. We'll see you on the next one.